We're here with Bobby Hussey of the Hussey Fireheads Cave Curse, No Bunny, No Coast Records. And I did a little digging. I went a little further back. Death by Chickens, uh, Bleach, not to be confused with the California band, and Cats, Not Dogs. That's ridiculous <laughs> and tr true. So good job. <laughs> yeah. How are we doing there, Bobby? So, um, yeah, how's it going, man? It's going good. How are you guys doing? Doing all right, yeah. Just hanging in there. Is it weird yeah, not to be... Uh, back at work a little bit. Yeah. Haven't played a show since when? Oh, man. Uh, we haven't. I haven't played a show since... It, it might have been the No Bunny show. We played a No Bunny show in Madison in fe yeah. February. And then one of the last shows I saw was Shellac. Shellac played in Madison the night before, or the, it might've been the day that they declared it a pandemic, but they hadn't put any like rules in place yet. Mm -hmm. But the show was mm -hmm. sold out and only like at a 175 person room and only like 60 people came. Okay. So like, wow. because like the pandemic like scared a lot of people off and, and that's fair enough, you know, whatever. But right. the show was incredible. I couldn't believe they still played it, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, and yeah. yeah, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, how's everything going on right now in, in Madison with the, uh, the virus? It's going, it's going okay. They just, so like I work at a record store and I work at a bar and the bar's been shut down this whole time and we reopened our patio like, a week and a half ago only to like close it like this week now because oh. like the numbers spiked here so i mean we have i haven't really been doing much like we none of the bands have practiced here um have you seen any Heather, people i've seen rick and i saw all the fireheads on the fourth we distance met up um we had a little grill out we haven't seen each we all four hadn't been in a room together and uh you know for a long time now for the longest in 10 years you know so that's been weird i have seen heather only one time two times i saw her since it started um yeah the fireheads dudes like we we met up and um Rick owns a restaurant now. So like right. he, this like was a really hard time for him to like start the restaurant. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he has to only do takeout and he was, he just got his liquor license, like reback. Like it was a whole fiasco because like it didn't get transferred properly. So he was selling liquor for a while illegally and he didn't even know it, you know? And uh, he finally got that back and now, uh, he's doing well though. Like the restaurant's doing well. He's just working a ton. So even if we were to meet up, like right when we were still meeting up after he bought the restaurant at practice, he'd just be dead. You know, he'd just be, he worked, you know, 70 hours that week and then we're dragging him to a practice. And I know he'll, at that time he was really swamped. It'll get better. But yeah, it's like, I know that's a ton of work. And Tyler, Tyler is the exact opposite right now. He, he doesn't have a job at all. 
he can't um they haven't been paying him unemployment for whatever reason like it's held up because he had some other job that they're checking if he still has it and he worked like one day at it it was like such a bullshit thing but yeah and ross's job is kind of back to normal or somewhat he works for a board game shipping company so they've been shipping games this whole time because you know i mean people are buying board games right now so uh how was the and record i'm back store? at the record store yeah. but was that closed for a bit the record store was closed for a month and i was just at home pricing records for it and putting stuff online for a, like you know 15 hours a week at most um and now i'm really only working like 20 hours a week which is what i used to work and that's really yeah. all i like to work right now you know and then i i usually worked one or two nights at the bar then too but like 20 hours a week and getting time to do band stuff is kind of good like working on personal band stuff you know yeah totally yeah i got that um it was a hussy digital leather split and i got that note from you really appreciate it Uh, yeah no problem man hit the spot during the frantic you know all, all these frantic times definitely is nice to hear from homie from madison and you know it's much appreciated yeah thank you yeah try to always with somebody i know i want to spread some love you know just the bobby hussey personal touch why not i I came from i'm the i'm the idiot who asked Pat. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean again uh, send our love to all the other you know all the other massive heads Uh, i'll be happy to hear hear from you yeah, yeah, so I actually, oh, I also remembered, too. I forgot to say uh, Tit as one of the bands. Tit, there we go. And <laughs> yeah. Tit was, dude, this pandemic screwed up Tit because Tit was going to record, uh, like, right now. Like, I should oh, be, really? I would be in Omaha. Like, we were going to, I was going to go down there and we were going to make another record. Like, because, I don't know, I just had planned that for this year. It was like, it's been long enough, like me and Sean should get back together he's like in a he's got a real job finally like he's kind of more stable than he's ever been cool. and I'm, I'm putting out his new record actually on no coast it hasn't really been announced yet but um we've got a good pr person doing pr push on it i'm making an lp i'm making i'm making the first cd of my life like professionally made cd that i wow. like had manufactured um because i figured you know like it's so much cheaper to send a CD as a promo. If I'm going to send it to radio, you know, you're sending a record that's seven bucks, like a CD's two seventy five, and the shipping's even cheaper. So like you're saving like six bucks per copy. And it's like, they really don't care at a radio station. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's a CD is probably actually easier for them. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to give a exactly. plug to, I saw the video, the music video that just came out today. That was really cool of the most recent. Dude, I, that's, that guy sold me. He, uh, he's a good buddy from Milwaukee. So the band we're talking about is the Beat Index. And the guy is, his name's Harrison Colby. And he was in this band, he's in this band, Sex Scenes, which did a split record with Fireheads that I recorded both sides. And he's also in this band, Rex, which Fireheads, that was one of the last shows we played was, we played this super fun show in Milwaukee, Rex's record release show. 
and we just had the best time there you know like it's they're fun guys and he he it was during the pandemic and he messaged me is like hey like i haven't shown anybody this but like i made a whole record like i've got like a 40 minute record and a 40 minute b-sides collection so he's got like 80 minutes of material and he's like and i've already got three music videos made i'm making the fourth right now i haven't told anybody about it except my girlfriend like you want to see this video and so he sent me that video and i was like it's totally different than anything he's ever done in his life he used to be in this band no no that was kind of like it i guess but it was different and then he was in this band the delphines which was like a they kind of sounded like early ocs like like help era like semi-early not full early but like the tip you know that started the tip um and yeah but this is just unlike this is just straight radio pop in a way but yeah i just was so impressed with how well it was made and how much thought he put into it and it it, it's just well done it's just very well done so like you nailed it i I was actually i was gonna say that it sort of reminds me of i mean it, it makes totally total sense as to why you would love it it drum machine sort of that 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 drive that driven bass sounds kind of like the 2015 era ocs in a way yeah um but yeah you know what would be you're gonna have your mind blown when you hear the rest of the record because that's like the heaviest the record gets and that's why he led with it to me i think you know that's why he showed it to me but he uh, actually told me he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't shocked it to me he was just showing me it and then that's awesome i was like well i want to put it out like if you're gonna do it like i'll put that out like it's good yeah it's i was gonna good. to have somebody just send you you know stuff that's already done plus videos as a record label yeah. as a small record label owner that's in it being awesome that's just like it's just it's what sets you apart yeah it's like if anybody's listening to this who's thinking about doing band shit like it's it's little things like that that set you apart like when you come presenting a record presenting the whole thing and maybe you're just leading off with giving them a taste like don't give them the whole thing right away nobody wants to hear 16 15 songs like throw them four you know like the that are the best like you have to be objective and you have to be able to pull it out you know and and he did that you know and he and he wasn't even trying it's just he's a friend you know and he knew I would listen to it, you know, like, and I did, and I loved it. And, and I don't know, he's easy to work with. Like, I just put out a tape before this by this band Bashford. And they're like, uh, they're like lovable dudes from town. Like a couple of them are from like a smaller town up North, like really near my hometown, like 30, 20 minutes from my hometown. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like their dream to tour it's just like their dream to even go on a tour, you know? And like, uh, I don't even know if it'll be possible for them because like one of the guys had a kid and they really want to do it. And their band is really good. Like they're a good grunge band and they could tour, no problem. But Mm -hmm. like when I see things like that, like it just makes me appreciate like what I'm doing. It makes me appreciate what a lot of other people are doing. Like they just physically, they just can't. Like they just actually can't. Like. Mm-hmm. you know like to i don't know it's just a whole different world 
and there's bands of every type and they all can be good you know like that doesn't make that band not good you know it just makes them in a different circumstance right absolutely yeah and they still play shows around here you know they they play madison you know mickey's all the time like and and they'll make it work i just yeah i don't i don't know how they could make a long tour you know feasibly work like the guy's girlfriend had a kid like this year you know mm-hmm. no for sure yeah I, I wanted to ask you um you know so a few years back t gordon gertie was the mc at bobby's uh annual festival turkey fest fast baby uh, yeah that was a great time um and we really got a sense of like madison being this real tight-knit community the madison music scene i was curious um so you're originally from plymouth wisconsin correct Correct. okay so a little bit further uh when did you move to oh sorry yeah no i'll fit i'll i I know where you're going with that it's like two hours from madison so yeah when i was in high school like Madison has the best school in the state. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe Mil- Milwaukee has a school, Marquette, that's really like a good school. That's like where Chris Farley went to school there. Like, oh, it's wow. a, like in Marquette is it's that's a good school, but it's a private school. It's a Catholic school, mm-hmm. but like a lot of people still go to it because it is a good school. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, it was like uh, Madison or Marquette, like, and I just picked. I applied to Madison only. And um, I had been here one time, like uh, two times. Uh, one time when I was a kid, like way young kid with my sister, she like went to some like, I don't know what it was. It was like an acting sort of class thing here. And my mom and dad took me and me and my dad walked down to, I was like 13. And then I went once like in, in a school for, to go to the Capitol, cause it's also the capital, Wisconsin. But other than that, I had only been here twice. My dad, I think, had only been here like four times, five times in his life. It's two hours away. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah that's uh, um, not that close. But, but I knew that it was a special place. Like where I'm from is extremely Republican. And Madison is the only kind of pocket of Democrat kind of leaning liberal leaning people and milwaukee is too to some extent but milwaukee also has very staunch republicans whereas madison is pretty like it's never gonna vote red so where i grew up it was a lot of hick people might they don't want to go to madison they don't like madison they think it brainwashes you you know like all this (laughs) and um yeah, I just, I went to school here because I knew this is where, like, the freaks and the weirdos and the, like, arty people of this, you know, state, this is where they go. Like, Milwaukee has that, too, but Milwaukee is significantly more dangerous, significantly not as nice, in my personal opinion. Like, there's a lot of opportunities there. There's usually better bands from there, um, historically speaking. Yeah. But... Um, but that's because it's a grimier place, you know. But hey, man, like I like living on two lakes, no crime. Well, quote unquote minimal crime. But like compared to Milwaukee, like this is a very significantly safer place. And I don't know if that's better or something, but it just makes my life easier. That's the way I look at it. It's just easier to live here comfortably, and you know. 
So when you came yeah, totally. to, to Madison for college, how did it go about then? Were you, as far as, you know, hearing about sh- what, I'm sure, was there a Mickey's back then? Was there a situation like that? So, so I can, yeah, I can tell you exactly how it went. Like, um, I went, I had a band in high school. Um, I had a few bands in high school. And they never did anything, really. We'd play, like, the BFW Hall or the, the youth center in my town or a basement. You know, like, maybe, you know, 20 people there. The best show ever, you know. Uh, and But there was a scene in my town, like, other people had bands that had, like, a little bit of a thing going, you know. And, like, those shows were fun. Like, that got me, you know, like, I was like, okay, this this happens. You know, it happens. And then when I moved to Madison, like within the first week of moving here, like I lived in the dorms and um, down like the university. I, oh, I should rewind is I also went to this school because the year before I came here, Rolling Stone had listed the 10 best cities in the country, 10 best universities in the country that had cities, university, like uh, college music scenes. Uh, And Madison was on the list. And I like, and I was already wanting to go to Madison and like, I was like, well, damn, like it's even like getting heralded like as a good like music scene, Mm -hmm. which is like crazy to me because it like was not at the time that like Milwaukee totally outweighed it. But it's like, I don't know, you know how that shit happens. Just sometimes it rolls like that. But anyways, I'm, I'm at school. I'm, I'm eating dinner at the, at the cafeteria, you know? with a couple friends and they've got these like little uh like a little flyer thing and the university owns a couple of really good venues like they have good rooms and like they throw good shows like every you know there's always a some sort of good show happening at least once a year that's like a really good show like just bands that like uh bigger fresh bands? and only's play mm-hmm. yeah like fresh and only's okay, Deer yeah. Hook, you know uh battles Mm-hmm. like violent femmes like they'll get they're cool like sometimes they get cool bands but they had a list you know and it was like 30 shows you know the next two months and you know the first week of school there were a lot of shows because that's like the new student week and they're tr- they're throwing a lot of events and they're trying to get people to intermingle and stuff and heather's band actually played one of those like heather's like first I went, it, I went down the list and it said they, her band, Heather's old band, Cats Not Dogs, which I ultimately become a part of, there was a list of bands and it was the only one listed as rock. Every other band on the list was like pop, not even indie it wouldn't even be. There wouldn't even be an indie. There was just one that said rock though. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to like, what the fuck else am I doing? Like Friday night at college. Like I know a couple of kids here. I hardly knew anybody in the school. I knew people from my floor and, um, and it just so happened to be this same night as, so I'm in Spanish 101. I walk in first day. There's this dude with like long hair. He's kind of wearing a Beatles type outfit. He looks significantly older. He's definitely not, 18 19 and he's like i look at he's writing in his journal he's writing like like looks like lyrics or something you know looks like he's writing a song to me i don't say anything like the first couple days but like a couple days finally like i'm just like hey man like you must be in a band or something right 
And he's like, yeah, I am. My band's playing Friday. So his band's playing the same night as Heather's band. And I don't know Heather at all. I just know this guy now. Now I met this guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm playing at the Catacombs. And the Catacombs is right across from where Heather's band is going to play. So I was like, great. I'll go see them both. Like, so I saw his band, his show, fucking packed. This, this guy ultimately is in a really important band in my life called Sleeping in the Aviary. And like, the first Hussy record is a split with his next yeah. band that he makes. Oh, yeah. so, so I'm at that show and it's awesome. Like, and it, he was the, he was the, uh, he was the front guy in this band and he ultimately becomes a drummer in sleeping in the aviary. And he's, he's good at all, everything kind of, he's a very talented dude, Michael. And, um, go to that show and that show had to be done early because it was a, it was a, like a coffee shop event and it's no drinking at that venue. That's how I could go to that too. And then I went to the university show, which is where Heather's band was playing. And you can drink in that, in that place. I wasn't, but um, yeah, I saw them play. And then like, I, I thought they were good. You know, I liked her band. They were, they were like pretty grungy. It was like pretty Nirvana. -y. And then I remember I emailed, I found them on MySpace and I emailed them on MySpace and I said, Hey, I wish I would have bought a CD. Like, can I meet up with you or something? And so then I went down and met him on State Street, which is like this historical street in Madison where like it, you can't drive down it. It's just like a pedestrian street. And that's the street where like my dad took me when I was a kid. The first time I ever went there, we went there because that's just like the place that you go. And yeah. so I met Heather there. She sold me a CD and then she said, yeah, we're playing one of those new student things this this Saturday too. And I was like, shit, well, like I'll go see him again, whatever. So I went and saw him. And then they were like, okay, we're playing, like at that show, then they were like, there were not many people at these shows. There were like, you know, the one, the first one I went to, maybe there were 15 people there. The second one, there were a lot more, but they were coming in and out and it wasn't really many of their friends. And they said, hey, we're playing the show in a month at this bar, the King Club, which is, uh, that's the best venue of all time in Madison, in my life that I've lived here, like King Con played there, King Con and Barbecue played at King Club. And like that, like, that was like the like 99 person, the 80 person room, you know, that people went to that had a stage and a good PA. And Heather said, hey, we're playing this. I can get you in, but you can't drink because it is a bar. They're not going to let mm -hmm. you drink. Like you shouldn't even be in there, but I'll be able to swing it. Like if you sell our merch. And so that show was this band, The Cummies, Cats Not Dogs, and Sleep, uh, Screaming Simpson and the Ponds. And Screaming Simpson and the Ponds become like friends of ours forever. Like they're still my really good friends. And so I go, I, the show is awesome. And there's tons of people at that show. And that, that's like where I saw the difference in the, right away I knew the difference between a university crowd now and like uh, the club crowd of Madison. Mm. They're completely different they're completely separate the university does not give a shit about what's happening in the underground bars in at mickey's like every now and then a couple people will cross over like tyler from fireheads is somebody who was in college but also in fireheads and playing mickey's and stuff and he's one of the few people that i know that kind of existed like that like how i was in college at, at madison like most of the time the people just don't get involved with mickey's and and those other bars they just don't know about them because they're on the other side of town you usually don't have a car as as a student in madison like and 
yeah, so then I just started kind of slinging merch for Heather, for Heather, for Cats Not Dogs. Like I would, because that, that was the way I could get into the bar shows. And like, I wasn't a drinker. So I just wanted to see these fucking shows and like, feel like I was part of something. I was seeing like real bands play, like it was cool. And then the bass player, uh, it was their seventh bass player. Uh, he quit and they got this other guy who was really short lived for like three months. And then when he quit, they were like, Hey, like, we know you've been in bands. Like we've got money saved up. Cause they, they toured and stuff. Heather, like this band toured and like they played, like the tours weren't successful, but the local shows would do okay. And, um, they said, we'll buy you a bass. Like, like, we know you play guitar. Like, we know you're broke. You're in college. Like, there's like, we'll buy a bass. And so like the first show I played was like, I think it was December. It was right before Christmas. We were supposed to play King Club. And then this band that was like a Sonic Youth, like really good version of like a kind of a rip off in a way. They had their own thing going on, but it was definitely like Sonic Youth worship. Uh, their band broke up and they were, they needed us, they needed a fill-in band. It was the night before the first show I was going to play was at King Club. So we ended up playing this club, the Slipper Club, which becomes the Frequency, which was a long running club here, which is now closed. It's now Barley Pop, which is where I saw Shellac, like kind yeah. of comes together but uh, so we play that show and then we play king club the next night and yeah it was like that's just the start of then we just kind of were playing a lot of shows after that and toured and then the last show we ever played was at high noon saloon where i work now uh we opened for okay go and then uh the guy just the main guy was like i don't want to do it it, we could tell it was like me and Heather would ride together in a car to get to the practice, his house. And for months we had been like, this just really isn't like working. Like, I don't like the guy was <laughs> obviously just like, not, it just wasn't working. And uh, I've never really felt that way in another band ever since, to be honest. Like that's, that's the only band I ever really felt that way in, in my life. And he doesn't play music anymore at all. So, like, I just think it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. it, that's, that's, um, that's 15, it is, it's 16 years ago. I was gonna, um, I was gonna ask, I was like, yeah, the uh, time frame. What year is this? Yeah. This is 2005, so it's 15. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. End of 2004 into 2005. Um, uh, and the band broke up in 2006. But, yeah, he never played in a band after that ever again. And and right. after and Heather just like looked at each other and were like, You wanna try making a, a different band? Like we're like, sure. You know, and then this guy stepped the guy who was in the Sonic Youth band, he had quit drugs, quit drinking, gotten clean, and he was like, Hey, I know you guys are pretty straight laced. Like, do you wanna um I'd love to like record you guys. It sounds like you're like doing something. I'd love to just like, he used to work at smart studios where Nirvana recorded and smashing pumpkins and stuff. And he helped record like, um, death cab for cutie there. He helped engineer it. Like he's a very good engineer and he had a home studio. It was amazing. He had a cab in his basement permanently mic'd up to his living room where he had tons of guitar heads. And you could plug in whatever head you wanted and it went downstairs so you could barely hear it upstairs, but it was mic'd up with like four mics and he could just track any guitar head. I mean, it was, it was genius, you know? 
And so we went over there and we demoed some stuff. And he actually played guitar on some stuff. And then at the last minute, he got cold feet. And he's like, you know what? I can't be in another band. It'll just be too tempting for me. And then we kind of formed, got another guy involved for a second. And he ended up getting married and moving to Florida and then having the woman ghost him. Whole other fucking thing. And he was stranded there for almost a decade. Um, And then we finally came back and we were like, we're just going to record it ourselves, recorded it. And then like, I was like, shit, I don't know how to fucking mix this shit. Like we recorded it in a basement, sounded like shit. Uh, and so then I called up that guy again, you know, I called up Todd and I knew he didn't, he didn't want to be in a band, but he, he always said, Hey, if you want, if you need help with engineering or something, I can offer you that, you know, for, for nothing, you know, for like for free, which is crazy, you know? Oh. And so we went to his house. I gave him the files and we mixed it with him for pizza. I bought him two pizzas. Um, that's the first Hussy record, Cement Tomb. And right. then oh. I'm not even joking. He got married, moved to Minneapolis. I've never seen him since. Wow. I walked out of that house and I never saw him again. And uh, I talked to him maybe one time. I, I don't even know how to get a hold of him to give him a record because he wanted to cut all his ties with town here because he had a really bad drug problem here and people kind of gave him shit and people were rude to him and we never were we never were but he just wanted to he just needed to cut it out of his life and he moved on you know but i he's never even gotten the record he doesn't even have the record Damn, it's man. like it's crazy to me you know I, I think he's really happy though. Like I talked to somebody recently who had talked to him within the last couple of years and he's said, he's really happy. That's the best you can hope for. You know, I think he just yeah. doesn't give a shit to be honest. I mean, he worked on big records. What the fuck is our stupid record? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's all right. Duh. I bet. Quite a record. Someday. I think someday yeah. he'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think he's, yeah, someday he'll have a copy in his hand. You know, yeah, someday. Exactly. But it's funny because this record's been repressed, you know, and he yeah, doesn't yeah. have any. <laughs> it's just like, that's not common in my working experience with a lot of sure, people. Sure, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, we're, we're, check out the shirt, Bobby. I don't know if you can see. Oh, it's a little, what is that? Oh, it's a Dump Vision shirt. Yeah, yeah. That would be. Rick will be stoked. Ross will be really stoked. Yeah. So yeah, definite shout out to Dumb Vision. I was gonna say, um, you had mentioned sleeping in the Avery yep. or, earlier. Um, yeah, I saw them in when I was in college, actually. They came out by you, I'm sure, because they toured yeah. relentlessly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was actually not even Boston. I was going. Um, I w- went through a college in this town, Lowell, which is a little bit further north than boston but well, yeah what kind of place were they playing and was there there was nobody there right <laughs> it was a house show actually oh, okay and there were people there yeah, there were people there actually um i just yeah, know a lot it, of their shows people that they just you know you've I, they're friends i heard stories you know uh, yeah i remember talking to them for a while after the show and everything they're yeah, very weird. <laughs> i don't know i probably outweirded them but <laughs> but uh so so what's crazy is like i was in that band for a little bit oh really oh shit mike kroll you know who mike kroll is 
he was in that band um, when I was at the same time. And because the main dude had punched uh, punched somebody and broke his hand. And so then he couldn't play guitar. So it was like, instead of him being like weirdo guitar dude, because what era did you see? Were they a four piece or a three piece? It's, it was like, was it like a, was there acoustic sometimes? I don't remember acoustic, but like it it's kind of blurry. Then. It was like uh, there was keyboards. And okay. It was, it was October two thousand eleven. Okay. Uh, I don't know, okay. Like what what era of the band that was or not? Yeah, but. they probably. It, that's like after the key. That's after they got rid of the acoustic. So that's like okay. the third. Um. Gotcha. Which is when they toured the most, but um. The first era was like really just like fast, uh, just really simple p- punk songs. Okay. And so then it was like crazy what it was like me and Mike Kroll playing because it was like super full and unlike what was happening. And then after that, then they went full three, like 180 and they went to yeah. um, neutral milk hotel style. Okay. So like a lot of their stuff was like folk and like acoustic based. And then they went back, then they went to like kind of indie with some keyboards and some weirder elements. And then they went straight back to like kind of the beginning to garage though, because Ty Siegel was getting famous. So then they were like, we should sound like that. And I, I, that was like, I was like, or you guys could just be you guys. Like, you know, and eventually uh, Elliot is very successful. The front guy is like a successful songwriter. Like he writes commercials and stuff in L.A. Oh, wow. So uh, I don't think he really gives a shit no, <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that band. So, yeah, yeah. but I do. I still love that band. And um, and Kroll went on to successful things. Uh, Michael, I think, just bought a house in Minneapolis um, because the band moved to Minneapolis, Phil, the bassist, became a really bad alcoholic in Chicago, oh, and uh, I just most recently heard he's like uh, doing well. So oh, like, he was always my favorite dude, and then I saw him once really hammered in Chicago, and uh, we still had a great time. But I can't. I remember leaving, being like, it's gone too far, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's. So when I saw that show, I was, like, just getting into, like, local music. I mean, for sure. years, I'd been going to, like, suburban stuff or, or bigger stuff. But at that time, yeah. it was, like, one of the first, like, local. They're not, like, one of the first, but it was more, like, I was going there to see local bands. And so, like, I – but they were, you know, on the bill. They were well, the so I, band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I didn't know who they were or anything. But, um, but you know, as you know, it's, like, that's – makes for a good show for a touring band is when you have like a bunch of local stuff and that that's my segue into talking about mickey's and like and like the madison scene and we can we can go back because uh where we were talking before about like we were uh getting like cats and dogs and sounds like with beginning of the hussy that stuff like what was the madison scene like back then and like a place like mickey's and all that so so like there were bands playing at Mickey's. I saw, I played Mickey's with Cats Not Dogs. Um, at the time, the jukebox was in, <laughs> the jukebox was where the band currently plays. And you still okay. played in front of it. Uh, you played in front of it though. So it significantly kind of like limited the room. 
and then they still kept the tables in the room so that was fucking weird um i think i only played there two times with cats not dogs and the last time was um the cummies last show which they they were like my favorite band of all time from madison and they moved to new york to try to make it or something you know uh they played Mickey's, we played with them, and then we went down the street to the house where the first Pussy record is recorded, and we played another show in the basement of the house after the show. It was packed. It was awesome. Because it was the, it was this these like three these three dudes were moving out of town that a lot of people liked, you know. Were those the cement so, tomb? That was cement tomb, yep. And I uh, so and then the three guys moved to New York. One of them, two of them are still there. The main songwriter moved back here. But what's crazy is, so they're, they're living out in New York. They changed the name of the band to the Dead Sparrows. They make a couple good, more good recordings out there. Um, Husky goes out there once. Uh, we play this show. It's an early, uh, it, you know what? It might've been Cats Not Dogs. It was Cats Not Dogs. Um, we played for just the cummies at a show in New York City because we were playing four shows in New York City. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I was like, I thought it was crazy, but I also like now I would never do that. Like I do two maybe, but you know, it was like we, we had four shows in four different parts and a couple of the shows are fucking sick. And then a couple of shows are fucking awful. So like, and even the sick shows, they gave us like a hundred bucks. It was like jack shit and never, no one let us stay with them. We slept in the van four nights in a row. It was like July 7th through the 11th. It was hot as shit. And uh, the cummies wouldn't even let us stay at their place yeah, at the yeah. time because we went to the one dude's house and it was so small three more people couldn't fit in the apartment like just it just wasn't feasible and um and so we're out there we go you know for years we're going back and forth and we usually run into uh, at least joey and john at least the guitarist and the drummer the bassist was the older he was joey's brother and he was the older guy and he got married and he got a job and he just he wasn't about it anymore you know and um but john always had a loft space then and we would now we would stay with john until him and his wife had kids and now we don't mm -hmm. stay with him because it's imposing he would still let us stay we just don't but um joey you know he's out there forever they're out there for years and the hussies coming back and forth back and forth always seeing them and then one show this old friend of ours who lived at cement too she's moved to new york like two years prior and she comes to the show, Joey comes to the show, and they uh, they haven't talked to each other since, you know, for five years or something. And they start dating for like a super long time and they end up moving back to Madison together. Ultimately they break up, but um, I just think it's like wild. They moved all the way to New York to find each other. You know, like, and yeah. like they, he, uh, I believe the older brother had dated her previously so that was like part of the just small town madison-ness of it all you know and so i i, I don't know where i was going like yeah i guess mickey's kind of turned over when king club so what okay. was happening was king club 
was a sick venue. All the shows were good. I never played it. I honestly never played a bad show there. But across the street is the Majestic Theater, which is huge. And um, Majestic was throwing these shows that people, uh, they were historically hip hop shows. And historically when the show got done, there would be a fight and somebody would pull out a gun. And then the police would get called and then they'd barricade this whole thing. So like if you're playing a show at the, at the King Club, all of a sudden the whole street's barricaded. There's tons of cops there and there's tons of people throwing bottles, screaming, like basically rioting, like, like usually like three or 400 people because the venue holds 800 and like they'll come out onto the street after the show and it could be any type of show. It just was predominantly hip hop shows. And ultimately King Club just was like, fuck it. I don't want to, it was becoming just dangerous because people were coming in, running in and stealing shit from King Club or running in and grabbing bottles from King Club and throwing them. It just was getting out of hand. And, um, and I think the club was just like, it's impossible to fucking run a club. It was, it was like, half a block from the wisconsin state capitol building mm -hmm. expensive as hell like there's only oh, banks yeah. and shit down there like and museums like there's not clubs like that's where the frequency was that's why the frequency ultimately clo closed oh, too. i was it's gonna say so the that the rents the rents went up in in that um that area i know exactly what you're talking about from when we visited where all the venues yeah. are and so okay so, so that, that happened recently the, that, but that was happening the whole time and king club always kind of kept it kept prices chill but like the whole thing is is if rent's going up well now it's cost double the drink at this bar well then i'm and eventually it was like well i can just throw a fucking show at mickey's they're gonna kick me like 150 bucks for the touring band i don't need to get paid because i wasn't gonna get paid at the other show anyways and I was going to make all my friends have to pay to come. And then they're going to have to pay to park downtown. They're going to have to pay double the price to drink. They don't even live down there. You know, it's like if students were coming to the shows, it would make sense because that's access to students. But they just aren't. You know, they just weren't and they aren't. And um, so then Mickey's became the thing and the Wisco became the thing. First, it was actually the Wisco before Mickey's. So the Wisco is directly across the street from where Cement Tomb was. Cement Tomb got uh, demolished and there's a condo up over it now. But the Wisco is still there. And the reason we played at the Wisco was it was across the street from where we practiced. I went in there one day. I was like, how do you do shows? They were like, well, I, like you got to bring your own door guy. You got to bring your own PA. Like you yep. can keep all the money. And I was like, cool, let's fucking do it. So uh, we'd carry the PA over, we'd walk it over across the street, you know, put it in there. And those shows were, those were the start of like the scene in Madison, like the, the garage scene that like got built up was there. Ah, nice. it, it, it came out of that because yes. King Club, the King Club wasn't the garage scene. The King, King Club was like Sleeping in the Aviary. It was artier bands, it was more arty bands. And like Cats Not Dogs was like luckily grouped into it just because we kind of knew those people and we got to, you know, and they got garage bands because it was the only like, where else is King Kong going to play there? You know, yeah. there was a pizza place that would throw some, some cool shows, you know, but uh, 
it really became the Wisco, which now the garage scene never is a part of the Wisco almost. It's entirely the metal scene. Like, uh, uh. because it's kind of the metal, it's a bike, it used to be a biker bar. It was like a Hells Angels bar. And uh, because uh, CC Riders, actually, it was a CC Riders bar. And CC Riders had their clubhouse next door. And that's actually where like early Hussy recordings and uh, the Cats Not Do the last Cats Not Dogs recordings were done at this house next to the Wisco, which is across the street from Cement Tomb. That was like basically a crack den, like after hours party house. And like all the good like metal bands, that's where they fucking recorded. That's where they played. All the legit scumbag metal people, the way you want your metal people. And so now all those bands and the bands that have offshoot, like splintered out of that, they all play at the Wisco. The Wisco is their spot. And, you know, fire, Fireheads will play at the Wisco because, you know, metal band will ask Fireheads to play. Because it's like, yeah, we, we can roll with you that. See it. But, like, yeah. the Hussy, you know, like, I'd love to go back and play it. Like, the last Hussy show is making me smile because that we played there ever. Because we'll never forget it. This other band brought a fog machine. Their band is called Crib Shitter, and um, they've always been friends of ours. They they fit in that whole arty scene because Madison, before the garage scene came around, it was really known as a as like a hokey arty indie pop thing going on. And Crib Shitter kind of falls into tons of genres, but definitely weird arty. Wow. And uh, they had a fog machine, and so me and Heather just fogged this room like you couldn't see because it's so small, and. Uh, it was fun, you know, like that place was fun, but uh, now it's metal bands. And then uh, I, I don't know how the change went. I think the change went was we realized like, yeah, Mickey's was like, Mickey's at first was only offering a hundred bucks and like uh, free, free drinks always. It was always free drinks, nice. but it was a hundred bucks at first. And, it, you know, eventually when you play a lot of shows, it's like, well, I'd rather have a hundred bucks guaranteed than 75 maybe yeah. you know or maybe or maybe 150 or maybe 200 but this is 100 bucks guaranteed nobody has to pay so we started throwing shows seeing how it goes and at the beginning we were doing the shows that you know the shows that we had a touring band coming through that nobody's heard of we've mm -hmm. got maybe only like one kind of drawing band that can play well i'm gonna throw that at mickey's to just get them the hundred bucks and i'm gonna wait for like the event show that's gonna be at the wisco like the show that's got like the three good local bands and like a touring band that it's played here a bunch of times. We were throwing those at the Wisco because then you charge five bucks and you could get like 300, you know? Um, but eventually when the Hussies started touring a ton, I started telling the, the booker at Mickey's Liz about like our experiences and like, you know, like the best clubs would be the clubs that, gave the touring band free food and like Mickey's makes food. So I was like, well, you know, you know, they started, there was a while where we kind of got sober for a little bit, like some of fireheads. And so I was like, well, if I'm not drinking, I want free food. That's kind of how that started. And they said, cool, that's fair. And then eventually I said, well, when you're on tour though, like, uh, yes, there's nothing better. Then when the venue gives you food, like it's, it saves you so much money. It saves you so much time. It makes you think the venue is amazing. Every time you go to the next town over, you go, you know what, you know what show fucking ruled this show? Like they gave us food and people, just venues like that breed culture and breed people coming to them. Like people, mm -hmm. 
see, I don't know. You can get a better band. You can just get a better band to play there. If you tell them I can get you $50 worth of free food plus free drinks all night, plus a hundred. Now, now like I can get Mickey's to guarantee me, you know, if it's like no bunny or something, he would never do this anywhere else. You know, he would never do it. He would do it at Mickey's. Mm-hmm. He'll do it for three fifty, four hundred bucks. You know, because he knows nobody's who goes to that show is ever gonna forget it. Never yeah. once. Never. That would sound like an once. amazing show. Having yeah. been and, to and Mickey's and yeah, he's done. He's done yeah. the bigger. He's played the Majestic. Nobody played the Majestic the wow. first time he ever stayed at my house. He was opening for girls at the Majestic. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was what he said. It was the best show of the tour because it was the only city. This is when we became really good friends, you know. Yeah. We bonded over this because, like, this is the only city that, like, got me on this whole tour. Like, everybody else, like, kind of just stood there and, like, yes. Joe loved me. And I'll never forget it. He texted me. He's like, okay, I got you on the list plus eight. Oh, man. And I that's was like, awesome. What? Dude? I was like, dude, I know, like, one person that's coming with me to this fucking show, bro. Like, because he texted me super late. I'm like, I'll try, but it was still, it was a packed show. He just, yeah. he literally didn't know anybody else here. That's you funny. Know? We saw and, him uh, at the Majestic so they, too, in Boston, you, no, opening for. Oh girls. yeah, the Boston. Really. Also yeah, the Majestic. So cool. Yeah, on that girls show. Well, it's so funny because you, like you said, like I mean, Glenn and I were, you know, huge No Bunny fans, and we were just like singing along and everything. And we like, I remember at one point, I just kind of like turned around and looked around, and everyone else was either like arms folded, like head not down happy. on their phones. It not was in happy. A Some people were outright just like, yeah, it was in this big, it was in this theater. So we're going crazy, and That's, everyone else is just yeah, sort we're of. We're going crazy, and yeah. But they and were going he, yeah. in Madison, they were yeah. going crazy. That's, see, that's awesome. But, yeah, amazing. and I yeah. was like, it's it's i don't know why yeah it's just like because madison like is a fun place like yeah. like they didn't know him they didn't know his songs you know they just were like <laughs> this is a fun it was a fun show and it was like they sh- everybody should have been like that at every right. one of the shows and mm-hmm. i can't remember i wish i could tell you this i wish i could remember what band it was but i swear to fucking god he had and offered a tour with a different band that there's no way in fuck I would have. He took the girls tour yeah. instead of this other band that I I just can't even think of it. But I know it's a band that I'm all, like I've only heard this story once or twice, and I never bring it up because like it, he, I don't need to bring it up, you know. Yeah. A but band that was more I'll popular than girls. Yeah, it it was a band that like was like a it, he would have been a perfect fit for. And it was like a le- like John Spencer or something, okay. you yeah. know. It, it was like something that it's like I would have never said, "Give me the girl show." But Justin told me when he told me about it, he argued he was like, "I thought it'd be a good career move because it was branching me out." And then he's like, "But then we went on the tour, and then like t- nobody really liked them." So yeah, like, that's basically what he was telling. Like I think he was just maybe telling me that he thought like the other tour maybe would have been Mm. more people buying shit but then again you're not making who knows how many fans he actually did make by that tour you know maybe a lot some people don't show their love of a band the same way that all of us do other people (laughs) yeah it was a real interesting that that tour just based on the boston show and some of the 
like the reviews I saw of other shows where it was like I didn't think because I, I you know we were fans of of the band Girls as well. Yeah, and I didn't, the I didn't awesome. think. Yeah, I didn't think there was that much of like a gap between those two bands. But that was but so the weird. Crowd, it is so much because when yeah, I was I know. in college, man, the people who like girls yeah. were the people I wanted to punch in the fucking face. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. the band girls. I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. the record but is yeah. great, so exactly. it's like I, I, I'm not mad at them because it, it is a good record. It just yeah, got sure. sold to them, you know. It got yeah, sold exactly. to them. And like, yeah, no, I know what you mean though, and but he, look at it this way, and like again, much love to the band girls but like in many ways though it's like now i kind of look back and i still love that 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 album but it's like they're very much of that time but like no bunny's still kicking it and is kicking it before that and it's still kicking it all the way through yeah oh yeah and has solid fans that are you know not that they weren't girls fans but it wasn't like oh that was 2009 or whatever it's like just no bunny you know, isn't fixed on like one particular year. You're just gotta, you're, he, you're a nobody. He did fan. it the real way. If yes. you do it the real way, nobody can ever take it back from you because you did it the real way. You yeah. went and you played the shows. There's no cheating that. Like there's right. the work ethic. That's what you said to me back yeah. in 2013, and that's what you say right now because you're yeah, a fucking hussy. It is. John Dwyer. John Dwyer was fucking 40 before he got his. You know what I yeah. mean? And he sat and toured for 20 fucking years. And he didn't yeah. expect anything. It's not like he did it thinking, like, I'm going to be a fucking rock star. Right. He just did it because that's what he does, and he's fucking good at it. Like, just like yeah. Justin, like, nobody. Like, he's just good at it. Like, he has it in a different way than 99% of people – and he could never fall it like he is falling into normal life right now, like really well. But like I always saw him as a guy that like he needs this, you know. This is his thing. Like this is yeah. he's got a lot of ideas. He's got a lot of like wires crisscrossing in the wrong way all day long, and he needs that thing to get it out, you know. And I'm sure he's going kind of nuts, like not getting to do it, you know, a little bit. Like I, I am a little bit, but also I'm maybe he's like me right now. Like I've done it for the 15 years in a row, and this break has been really nice. Like I've, like it's been nice. Like I, I literally deleted my Facebook. I'm like, I don't need to deal with none of yeah. that shit. I don't need it to promote anything. Like I'm not trying to book any shows. I'm not like. Like, you know, every week I'd be like, okay, well, I got a show Monday I'm throwing and then I'm playing the show Friday and then I'm working Saturday at the bar and I'm working, you know, four other days. At the, it just, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's you mentioned funny. about touring. I, uh, I just, you know, want to put it out there. I think like, I don't know if people really realize how extensively the Hussy and Fireheads have toured, but you y'all really ha- have over the years toured incessantly and put out a lot of records. Um, do you want to talk played, about like yeah, what's that? I played a lot of shows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I played a lot of shows to a lot of people, a lot of shows to not a lot of people. Like, I mean, I, uh, do just last year, cave curse put out this seven inch and I think, through the show where I work at high noon, but like everything's weird with high noon because it got bought up by live nation. So it's kind of fucked right now. Uh, um, 
but and that all happened way before i i don't know why i agreed to this show but i thought i could throw this cool show there you know for our release show and like seven seven people came in my fucking town like it's mm -hmm. our record release show like you can't win them all like and you like some people get to you know some people get to be rock stars i'm not a rock star like i i play shows i love to play shows some shows are sick some shows are the most amazing feeling in the world like there's nothing like it yeah. and then other shows like that like it to be honest devastated me like it, it really bummed me out because it's like i'm too old to be doing this shit for this shit and me and heather have done this for so long that you know we'll be on tour it thankfully hasn't happened in quite some time but um you know you'll play a show and there's not many people there it did happen on the last tour one show in particular in dallas there were like 20 people there which that's that's still an okay show but it was a saturday night and mm -hmm. historically the hussy has done extremely well in dallas like usually like 100 or 200 people and like like usually it'll be like one of my favorite shows of the tour and this show just was not good and that like can you know i don't know what to, to could that be chalked up to well, we the local bands we or played, haven't played in four years there what mm. who owes me anything I, they don't owe me shit like we hadn't gone on tour since my mom died like mm. like so we hit it hard this last year like for the first time since my mom died and that's four years and a lot of cities turned out a lot of cities like represented and like a lot of cities represented with just friends that we've been friends with forever and that's all i wanted and needed to represent for me you know that's, that's awesome. like that's we're we made enough money to you know eat whatever we wanted the whole time we came back with a couple hundred bucks each great fucking time in my life yeah oh yeah whatever i wanted saw whatever i wanted to see played a bunch of sick shows played only Fest. played with like, that I genuinely liked like you know we played a couple shows with bands that i was like okay i don't really like them that <laughs> yeah. much but they weren't bad bands they just weren't my thing you know and then we we made a ton of new friends and fans like like uh i still feel like every show is still building some piece of the puzzle or something Mm -hmm. you know yeah, i don't yes. know i don't know what happens because like you know there's bands that play forever and nothing happens but like i at least like there's at it's least records build. out there at least like i'm making music at least it's it's not like oh yeah this guy played a thousand shows nobody videoed him who fucking cares nobody <laughs> really videos our shows totally not a problem i made a lot of records you know like you know mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think um proof is in the pudding there you, you, the amount of records y'all put out are I, I can't count them up i don't I got know a whole I, mean. record, like, I got a whole record fucking demoed right now and like yeah. i know heather got ten, eight to ten songs so we're looking at 26 songs to record or something when we get done with this so uh when we get done like we're not practicing at all yeah. but like when mm -hmm. the time comes like i have been unbelievably productive during this time more productive than i have since uh that since i made weed seizure since like uh weed seizure was being recorded at like me and heather worked on that so hard and then right after that time i had an explosion because i felt like weed seizure was so good i had this confidence boost unlike anything of my life because i still to this day think weed seizure is the best thing i'll ever make and uh, just, yeah uh, 
I mean, I'm not, to, not, to, not to interject, yeah, I but I just good. listened I like to it. it all the way through today when I was at work, and it, damn, I, I loved it. I loved it at the time, but even now, it's just, it's, what a... I think it's the one, I think it's the one, you know, and, like, it's it's both satisfying and unsatisfying knowing you already made the one that you're going to make, but I'm okay with that because I can still build new things and do something else and it's completely different, but it's just like, to me, that is a perfect art package. It's what I am. Weed seizure. It's, it's, it, it, everything just landed in place. Right. And I'll never, I'll never have the feeling again like that. Like I remember making it and I, I knew I was doing something right. Like I, I knew it was right. And, um, after we made it and, and we got, you know, we had label interest unlike I've ever had in my life again. Like mm-hmm. there were people asking us to put out records all the time back then. And, you know, it's so funny. Like when you're living that moment, you think it lasts like, and you know, like I forever, I've known like these big bands, they make this thing and people don't give a fuck after like, and I'm talking mm-hmm. huge bands. I'm talking like right. nothing, like I'm not even comparable in any way, but forever I've always joked at them like that. They, mm-hmm. that they're dumb, that they fucking should have known that that was fucking coming and then i lived in my own little way you know like i lived in an own little world way and there's still labels of course that want to work with us and better labels honestly in a way um but it it's not quite the same way as as when that was happening i was just getting emails left and right because we were like firing we were like everybody likes it when a band's coming up you know like Mm -hmm. and um and uh i'll just after that happened i had such a creative boost from that because i was so confident and that's how we made you know like pagan hiss and galore Mm. and all those were written galore pagan hiss and the split were all written like you know like right then in that moment and like just pieced out over time and i i think pagan hiss is honestly a better record i just don't think it captures the art I just don't think it captures the overall thing and the feeling the same way that the other record does. I think Pagan Hiss is a better record, but um, I don't know. There's just something to say about the one. And, uh, and I'm always chasing that. I'm always chasing that feeling, you know? Uh, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. What you're saying cool. There, I, and I, I feel like I'm feeling like a Renaissance time, you know, I feel like I wrote a lot of songs and they're all kind of way different. Like they're not, way different from a hussy song but the they're varying type of songs kind of like the last record we made but like i i don't know i'm feeling good about it i'm feeling good like what it'll be like once i have actually heather there because yeah. I, I demo these all using drum machines kind of and and complex drum beats and not not just a simple drum thing so it it kind of simulates how it sounds more than other demos but mm-hmm. Heather will step, still definitely bring her own thing to it. And that's what I'll want because then it'll turn it really into a hussy record, you know? Yeah. So uh, Hell yeah, man. Will, will you be with the new recordings? Will you be pursuing those on no coast or dirt nap or that's, that's not I'm even. Gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to ask dirt nap again because I have, uh, I, I really like Kenny I, the relationship we have is really good. He took care of us really well. Um, he he believes in us, unlike a lot of like people have in the like. He just 
you know, like sometimes labels will just put their, you know, they're putting the record out, but they don't like believe it in the same way or something. But like all the labels we've worked mm -hmm. with have been really good, but I just feel like Kenny really gets the thing and his, his label has listeners that kind of are where we're going more now. Like I, I don't really want to go the straight pop punk thing, but like, I feel like our songs are so catchy that those tend to be the people who actually pick up on it the most, you know, like whenever mm -hmm. I play with like, even like the example band I have is direct hit. They're on fat wreck and they're from Madison and they used to be in a band that would play with cats, not dogs called, um, Oh my God. Uh, the box social. And the two guys went separate ways. One guy made a pop punk band. One guy made like a power pop band. Mm -hmm. And the pop punk band like became popular, you know? And I love playing with them because live, they don't sound like the record. Like on the record, if they hear this, I'm going to be sad that they hear this from me. But on record, it doesn't fucking do them justice. They sound weak as hell. It's kind of, it, it just doesn't do their fucking band justice it's so fucking slick it's just mm -hmm. too slick and i get it they're yeah. on the big they're on the fucking huge label that's the way it works that's you know but then you see them live and they're just fucking destroying and they're not snooty like i'll play with these fucking garage bands who get nobody to fucking come out but they're like acting like they're better than fucking shit and their shit don't stink and i'm not gonna name any fucking names about any of those people but like there's nobody coming to their fucking show and, and they're dressed real nice. You know, they're slick and they're better than me. You know, of course they're better than me. And then I got this pop punk band that's treating everybody better, letting like, and, and there's hundreds of people there to see their fucking band and to mm -hmm. see our band. Because when we play together, we get a good mix of crowd. And, you know, I, I'm just, I don't know what to fucking say. Garage people stop being so fucking snooty, you know, like, these pop punk people are making you look a fool. Like, like you make fun of their bands and then they're yeah. nicer than you. So fuck you. Like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like, and they're buying merch. They're, they're there and they're having a good time. Trust me. They're dancing. They're having a better time than y'all, like than you garage people are, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> so you like, that. you know, part of me is like, well, fuck it. Like, why not embrace that this like because dirt nap i would definitely associate more with a pop punk crowd you know it's more of that spectrum than in in the red you know like yeah and when i was younger i would have i'd still kill to be on in the red in the red's like my favorite label of all time but i just don't think we fit in there we're just too we're not a slick band by any means but we're too slick for that yeah that that's an and interesting it, point it, it maybe took me it maybe took me like 10 years to realize that, you know, but like, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it is. It you know, is, like yeah. we're too, yeah, we're too slick for goner, you know, like even, you know, it is, it is weird because then, you know, you would, you would think that, but they also, it, it, it is interesting. Remember that band, ah, crap, I can't remember the name, Chris or maybe Bobby, the, at goner fest um they were sort of like a dance pop like on laptops and goner put that out i can't remember the name cobra man oh yeah what, what was it they did the surfing in the crowd cobra so. man oh yeah, i remember the name but i don't know if i saw them 
So that yeah, was like they did like the surfing like, in the crowd, like actual like they got like a surfboard or something. Right? Really? But <laughs> they played at Murphy's a couple of years back. Or like they were three just years. playing computers. They were yeah, which is sort of something you don't really see from uh, you know goner typically. Not that scene. Yeah, yeah. Not that scene, but everyone was seemed to be loving it in the crowd. Maybe it lets people loose. I yeah. I see. Here's the thing. Here's what's the difference is that goner fest as a fest. Right. Eric is unbelievably intelligent in trying to meet needs of tons of things and that's such a good smart move because like he he called it right you know people had a great time but now would he put that out on his label probably not right i'm not sure really i was gonna say i think they're on goner yeah so awesome who knows yeah and it's slick and it's slick it's slick but in a a different it's a different yeah it's it's like uh it isn't punk. I mean, the, pop. it's a testament to him, you know, wanting to do something different and doing it yeah. right. And, you know, it, it's amazing because, like, so much with labels and getting on a label is time and a place. Yeah. You emailed the guy at the right time in his life. He, uh, he had a great morning. He woke up, you know, and, like, uh, everything just aligned for him that day. And he checked his email. And you know what? Why the fuck not? why the fuck you know but like you know and then sometimes you send him the email and he had a horrible i'm not talking about goner eric at all in i'm general. just saying there we go okay all right Lead so yeah too, but... yeah with, as far as like the the labels it yeah i mean i you'd know more than us as far as you know different uh facets of the of being from the position of being someone in the band being someone you know you know as in the label and then booking the shows and recording bands um so in a lot of ways you can see different you know scenarios through those lenses yeah yeah um yeah i don't, I don't know i just feel like with the, with a lot of labels it's just hard to say sometimes you know sometimes people have their own particular taste in another time it's it's completely i mean a big label is always gonna you know make sure that they're getting something that i mean if it's a big label they need to make their money back you know first and foremost so they're only gonna pick bands that can make their money back so like Mm -hmm. you know and like a lot of times that's a crapshoot because when you talk about really big labels you're talking about them being able to sell anything you know but like the label worlds that the world that i live in you know they just need a band that they know they can probably sell like a thousand records you know and yeah um you know and even that's hard to do really you know like it takes time you said before to me a while back was you'd rather be sort of like the big you know the big band on a smaller label then and i think that i'm sure you'd still probably agree with that sentiment than I, to be a always it, on it's better to be the big fish in the in the little pond than the little fish in the giant pond like because yeah like i don't know it's like you just they lose sight if you're not and luckily really my like the hussies entire career we've always been treated really like that from every label we like tic tac maybe not so much but tic tac was like 
he was losing interest in doing the label by the time that he put weed seizure out. So like it was already kind of like the beginning of the end. And I think he believed in the record and, you know, he, it did well, you know, and like it, it actually like significantly, significantly impacted our effect in like Austin because Austin had this whole scene based around the Chicago label Tic Tac because Tic Tac had put out a lot of Austin bands. So right away we were instantly like welcomed into the Austin scene and shows there were always good for us. And I know they're good for a lot of people because it's Austin, but I feel like we were particularly lucky because of that. Mm-hmm. And then Southpaw always treated us like, like we were their flagship, you know, and then Big Neck's always done whatever I've wanted with any of like, if I give them a firehead thing or a hussy thing, or like, if I suggest that they should put a band out, he'll like put it out because I'm not going to tell him to put a band out. That's not going to make him his money back. Like every band I've given him, I think he can reasonably make his money back. I don't know if he will with dumb vision now that they can't tour like they used to, but like, because I've talked to Rick and it's like, he's like, that's the band that's going to, you know, that's the one that's going to get the kick to the curb, like to the wayside, just not, not, never gonna not have the band Mm -hmm. but his priorities have shifted he runs a restaurant like when he wants to go on tour it's only going to be with fireheads you know like even though it's not his band he just knows fireheads is fireheads is a special band it's special for guys we like to travel together we have a really good time together and Mm -hmm. the that's the most known band that the four of us have like like you know the hussy's more known but like of in Ross and Rick's world, that's the band that you know that they play the best shows with, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and Dumb Vision, uh, Chris is no longer in the band, uh, so it's a three piece, and that kind of got hairy because Chris was like the guy who booked half the tour, like if not more. So now, like, I don't, it's just touring with them is going to be i don't know if they will ever tour again mm. just be yeah honest. and you brought up a good point and i know you said this before um and even for us with the label it's like touring and putting out records really go hand in hand you know and, yeah and, and for us as a label i'm sure you can relate there's so, so many times you know we talk to people and i don't think they get that and it's like no you gotta go out and play shows and tour it's like it's not gonna you know i mean like as much as you might you know doesn't sell itself yeah it just yeah so that's the good thing about the tapes is yeah you know minimal 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 investment right minimal investment you can make them when you want essentially you don't need they're there yeah yeah we got this yeah. Sony uh, duplication unit. It spits out eight at a time. So, boom. You have one? Yes. I got it from a, a ministry in Texas on eBay for some, Perfect. for whatever reason. <laughs> but but they, they, the church things used to make tons of tapes back in the day. Yeah. That was their exactly. thing. Yeah. So now it's being put to use and it's just, That's like you awesome. said, it's just yeah, minimal, you can create easy. whatever you need on the spot. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you got a tour, and you know, I feel like I don't love how the Dumb Vision record came out. Like, uh, you know, it's almost like we're too good of friends, and they should have just done it themselves. 
because it was a lot, like I gave them a lot more leeway than I would most bands. I like, like let them make decisions on how things were mixed. And personally, mm-hmm. I don't like how it sounds. And um, they don't love it either. So like, it's yeah. kind of like one of those, that's a bummer because I think it could have sounded better. And I, you know, I, I hate to speculate. I don't know, but I can't help but think that has some reason why Chris left. And um, and they're actually great as a three-piece, to be honest. They're awesome as a three-piece, but it's kind of nice to have. It was nice to have Chris. Like, I liked mm-hmm. Chris in the band, you know? And um, uh, we haven't – we have butted heads, me and Chris, over the past decade – we were, he was the Hussies roadie at one time. Um, and he's a really good dude. Um, I just think we both went in separate directions and it just wasn't working anymore. And he's got his own, like, he's actually successfully like built up this other club in town called tip top. And, um, it's kind of like Mickey's sister club. Like it's owned Mm -hmm. by the same people. So he throws shows there before the pandemic, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he was getting good bands, or he gets good bands, or too, because he tours a lot. So, like, that's what I was getting at with, like, the touring right. thing was he was kind of their guy, their point person for touring. And Rick Rick kind of would, like, you know, if he needed help, if Rick would, had to book some shows, he'd just ask me. And I have no problem helping them, you know, no problem. But um, I just can't see Rick having the time with – it's just not a – he's told me, we've talked about it, it's not a priority. His priority would be rather – he doesn't have the time to write his own songs, but he probably has enough time to devote to like learning Tyler's songs and like playing them properly and playing shows every now and then because he does like playing shows too. And that's, that's what he likes to do too. He doesn't want to just work at a restaurant. Like I know he still wants to play some shows, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, you had mentioned, uh, well, we mentioned briefly, about um, Turkey Fest, uh, it's a bummer, obviously, you know, as with everything else with the shows right now. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, when, when, you, when did you start uh, the Turkey Fest? I, it was 10 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. So the first one, I, it technically wasn't called Turkey Fest, but I, call, I, I counted it as it because it's like the same type of time. And it, it's where the concept started. It was between me and my this friend of mine in Milwaukee had this band called the Midwest Beat and um, really good band. And uh, the drummer's name is Chop. And he would do this thing every year called Chopper Fest. And uh, they call him Chop. That's They call him Chopper. Like his name's Chris, but they call him Chopper. And um, every year he did, they did five Chopper Fests at this club that uh, I can't believe I never brought it up, but it's, it's actually a really important club in Madison's history. It's uh, the Hussy played some shows there. I, it was never my go-to cats. Not dog played a lot of shows there. Um, it was called the corral room and like um, the OCs and Ty Siegel actually played there. Um, and it, it's under the best, the best restaurant in town. The best restaurant in town is tornado snake steakhouse. And like, that's, it's been there forever. It's right by the Capitol. The steaks are amazing. Everything's amazing. They make the best old fashions. 
But um, and they have a late night menu, so you can get a steak there for like fourteen bucks after hours, and it's like a goddamn pro steak, you know? It's amazing. Um, but they have a they had a room downstairs that looked like it looked like your grandpa's base, your your Wisconsin grandfather's basement. It was a wood tile place with a pool table and a little bar set up, and it was a perfect little square or rectangular room. Played a lot of shows there. But this guy would throw tur- – he threw – the first three Chopper Fests were there. And the last two were at Mickey's. And the first Turkey Fest was also there. So Chopper Fest, he would – he had three bands at the time. He's the original, like, guy that showed me, like, oh, you can be in a million fucking bands. Uh, like, the first, like, firsthand experience I had of it, you know. And his fest was Chopper Fest because – all three of his bands would play or and he sometimes had more than three bands but always three of his bands would play at this thing and two other bands would play and um the hussy played them all so it, eventually when he stopped doing chopper fest he uh there was a time where it like he never did it in milwaukee it's so weird that he did it in madison it was in madison but he always said from the beginning of it, like, you got to start, like, like, I don't, I don't know. It had to be, it was right at the beginning of the Hussy. It was, like, one of the first shows we played. But, yeah, he was like, you got to start doing this, too, you know? And, like, uh, it just, I really made it a big thing after he stopped doing it. Like, mine were always just, like, small. The early ones are really small. And, like, they the first at least first one if not the second one i don't it wasn't even called turkey fest i later like you know just started calling it turkey fest the year and then eventually i went to the number after the year so like you know technically if you look at the facts there's gonna be a couple (laughs) turkey fests missing okay 10 actually but there were shows that denote them that i have written down that are the same crew of people playing them that should have been and um yeah i don't know it just eventually when he dropped it it was really when i i started making mine a bigger event and like making it two days that's when i moved it to two days was when he stopped Mm. doing it yeah Yeah. and the one we went to 2017 that was even it was three nights right it was too many (laughs) that was a while i like that there with the uh the mickey's shows and the crystal corner in, in the middle um, yeah, I yeah. like like I think it's good. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do. I had two two nights planned this year. Yeah. Um I don't know, you know, like honestly after this all happened, like I wondered if I would just give up doing it, to be honest. Like uh um it's really, really fun. It's a lot of work. It's uh I just I don't know what to say about it. Like I've done it like, and I, if I could get a really big band, I'd like to do it again, but I don't want to just keep throwing the same thing over and over. And I had a good year plan. I had cool bands like, you know, um, but. Hey, it never hurts to keep having no money. I just don't know. Basically what, basically what happened was I canceled it because not because of COVID, but because Dirt Nap Fest got moved to the exact same uh, weekend. And um, and Kenny told me that. And Kenny told me, he's like, well, you can still have Turkey Fest. And I was like, well, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to throw fest against your 20 year anniversary where my band is also playing it. Like, and so I was like, I'll cancel it. And now of course he had to cancel it anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm sure I'll throw it next year because taking a year off will make me want to do it. Like, because I think uh, I'll be able to get digital leather to play, you know, Mm. nice. Cause he's going to owe me a show because I'm putting out his record. And like we just talked about, you should never put out a band's record who's not going to tour, but he's never going to tour. And I'm still putting the record out because he's a great, great musician. He's one of my really good friends. The record's really good. I know I can, it's an easy sell to me. Like it's, it fits my label. And I, I know I always do well with digital other releases. So I figured I can do that. And, uh, he doesn't really need a tour, but I told him like, he has to play Madison. Like he has to play a Madison show. And like, I'll supply all the gear. He just has to get the band here. Like I have all the backline, like just bring your synths and your guitars and everything will be here waiting. You could bring him to oh, yeah. Montreal. Our friend, you know, Hugo, who he said, when you went out there to see or do you know, with, with red mass, that show yeah. um Dude. great times montreal montreal is the best <laughs> yeah place like the show we well first of all i go out to the red mass show and four people come up to me and they're like you're the guy from the hussy and i'm i've never been in this fucking town never been there hugo was one of them you know yeah. but uh it's like that's cool like that's cool that doesn't happen really and um and then i met a lot of fun people i had a i had we had the best time there me and mel and um and then i you know like i was talking to the promoter who's more of a goth guy and i was like dude you love my band cape curse you just like like this (laughs) like i don't i don't really know if you'd like the hussy but like i think you'd like cape curse and he's like sure i'll throw you a show and he did he got all the paperwork filled out so that we could cross the border. He got all the legal stuff figured out. And then he booked, he got us, he basically like introduced me to people in Toronto. Well, I knew people in Toronto. So he introduced me to people in Ottawa and um, booked the shows in the Cave Curse shows in all three of those cities. Some of my favorite shows of my life, like so fun. The Montreal show was, uh, there were probably like 70 people there. It was pretty good. Like the the Red Mass show, there were like 500 people there. There were 400 and some. Um, huge show. Uh, but, you know, our show was great. Like, I'll take, I'll take 70 people. For, Cape Curse has never been in Canada. Like, great show. But then he's like, we want the hussy to come. And I was like, well, fuck. They're telling me they want us to come. And he offered us money, like enough money to make it worthwhile. You oh, know, just to go? To make it worth. Well, to, like, make a tour work around it that, like, pretty much is going to pay half the gas for the whole trip. So, like, I'll do that. And I know he can get us in and out, you know. And so we booked the show, and the show with the Hussy was maybe top ten shows I've ever played in my life. Like, it just felt so good, and everybody there watched us and cared so much and everybody came up and was like your band is so good and the promoter who i thought you know would like love capers was just like this band is so good like your band is so good and that just 
I want to go back, you know, like, how could you not want to go back? There's a hundred and some people there that I've never played that city. The Hussies never been there, but people knew us there, you know, people knew our band there. And like, that's, that's, that's like why the you got to have, true. you got to have that, the release show of digital leather with the Hussy in with red mask I, in Montreal. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Bobby fucking that's, Hussy. I, I'll try to talk to Sean. That, and we'll we'll come up. We'll Heather take the trip. Love that. Yeah, yeah, I would. We'll I would totally. Be, I'd be there in a heartbeat. You guys had. You went to Montreal, right? You had fun there. Yeah, yeah. We had a blast. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we had a little bit too much fun, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. This is the I, great, the, the best slash worst way to go into Gonerfest. Um, it was we, right after. To, that? <laughs> no, right before Goner. Yeah. Hey, oh yeah, yeah. Goner was yeah. after. So we went to Montreal, then to Gonerfest, and I was up for almost. Uh, 50 hours oh you like went directly from montreal to Gondor. yeah that's yeah i remember yeah. when the hussy was put i was like i was like before in between the gazebo and like the night show on the first night i'm like mm-hmm. i was like i want to i'm like i can't i don't want to miss the hussy i'm like i can't you know yeah. and, no Dude, and I just, that you know, show yeah. that show might be the my favorite show i ever played in my life that was an, that it was an amazing fest, show yeah that goner fest we crushed. We played well. We played well. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing you can't. You can't I just, really. It was sh- like we played well. Yeah, I knew we did. I knew we did. And yeah. you know, like we were pretty sober. That's probably why. Like I was pretty sober. The other dudes, like Heather, doesn't really drink or do drugs. But like we were. Um, she smokes weed, and like I love that. Like. You know, like just a little bit of weed is the ideal thing because drinking can turn so fast to getting sloppy. And that whole tour, I think we had probably been, you know, drinking a lot. And then it was like that show. I remember being like, all right, I'm going to do what I used to do. Like take a shot, have a beer. I don't drink beer. But like, I remember being like, if I just take a shot, have a beer, that's the perfect amount. And that'll be it you know, and, uh, and it was, it was, cause we was early enough. We were playing early and then I just got to celebrate the whole rest of the night. It was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we played like, like second or third, you know, it yeah, was a yeah. great slot. It was really like an amazing slot. At first I thought like, who knows how many people will care and come to see us then, but like it was packed then. Oh yeah. yeah. Awesome. It, it's, it's weird how Goner Fest happens. Only if there's, it seems like for a lot of the times, just in the very beginning, people be right before the first band. It's 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 a slow build. The second band, yes, people are, but by the third, it's pretty yep. and then by the end it's just it's like rock and roll. You're just yeah. squished. You you can hardly if you're like outside, you could you can you might not be able to make it back into I mean, unless you're Bobby Hussey, you you'll, right. you'll claw your way in. But for the average person, you might be stuck in that little room. <laughs> trying to look in you yeah. know yep ah the yeah. memories because yeah, i'm looking forward to, i want to i want to go to goner fest when this is all over yeah. well it hasn't been canceled has it what's the word there's it's not no happening. way they can happen yeah right yeah no i don't think it's i'm i mean uh, who knows but i i you know no, i had asked i, I, doubt I had it. asked yeah. eric in february yeah. if kers could play mm-hmm. never <laughs> Uh, yeah. Probably because he could COVID shit. I mean, there's no way they can have it, right? No, yeah, well, I, I mean, don't think if, it's 
possible. Like, there's no announcement. At least it's indoors. I, I, I don't think that would. I mean, Murphy's happen, in Murphy's. You can't move. No. When yeah. It's full. Yeah. You. If everybody would get COVID in there. Oh right? no! Yeah, no. That would be that would be worse than like a a large festival. I feel like because everything's so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Small ceiling, one tiny right. little bathroom. Yeah. One person I, the look at it, it's 700 like, get COVID. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. yeah. The, the way I look at it, it's just like, you know, this is a messed up year, but we'll come back next year and be that much stronger. Cause like, it's like, wait, okay. It's like, would you really want to go to a show where it's like, uh, where it's like, you can't <laughs> do the normal shit you'd normally do like moshing and crap and you know crowd I just, yeah i feel like what's the point of that yeah. yeah yeah like it's just better to wait and i yeah my friends in werewolf jones in detroit they work at some venues and and their venue the the one venue the guy works at he said um they're not, not gonna reopen until there's a vaccine uh until yeah. there's a vaccine and yeah. and that seems like the reasonable time because once there's a vaccine, then it's, then it's safe. Like, yeah. then it's fine. So yeah, we're looking at still probably a year from now, realistically, but yeah. are you thinking maybe, uh, would you do any outdoor things? Would you well, en- we, entertain that? So right now there's still an outdoor thing that's on the fence in Madison that I've been trying to play for forever and uh, forever, the committee's been like, one of the guys on the committee is from the band Killdozer from back in the day. Oh, shit, yeah. And he'd be like, hey, I'm going to get you guys on it this year. And then somebody would veto us because it's kind of like we're too extreme, you know? Yeah. And this year, we finally got on it. And then he asked us how much money we wanted. And I was going to tell him a certain figure. And... uh I didn't. I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't know if that's going to be too much or too little or if it's going to offend him or, or if I'm shooting myself in the foot. So I'm just going to be like, what do you think is good? And then they were able to offer us a lot of money, what I would consider a lot of money, like like more money than nobody makes sometimes to play. Wow. You, like, like more money than nobody makes at a big show. You know, oh, like... and um. And it was way more than I was going to say. So I'm glad I didn't say what I already thought was an obscene number. So, so I'm kind of bummed because they haven't canceled it yet because it's way at the end of summer. Okay. But, and people I've been hearing that they're going to, they're, they, I think it's fucked now because our town, the numbers spiked. But if they mm-hmm. weren't, I think they were going to try to find a way to, like, have it still be outside people distance because it's in a big park. So, theoretically, you could still get, like, 600 people there all spread apart. Yeah. Like, so, you know, and we were going to do – like, I would still do it because the money is, like <laughs> – it's a show I've always wanted to play. But, you know, as it, as it goes on, it's like I'd much rather play it next year when more people will be able to be there in general, when there'll be a thousand people there, you know, like, and when it'll be one of the, I don't know. It's like, I plan on living in Madison, my life, my whole life. And 
you know, I, I interact with customers at the record store every day and there's people who have been around for 40 years here. And, you know, they remember going to this festival, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago and seeing this one band, you know, and it still sticks with them. And that's wow. a hometown thing. And I want to be like, that's how you create your legacy in your hometown. Like, like since the beginning of the band, really, me and Heather always said, we just want to be killdozer. Like, we don't want to be bigger than we don't need to be try to be bigger than Killdozer. We want to find our place in our town and people, you know, there's not you you aren't known by everyone everywhere, but everywhere there's a person who knows who you are. You know, every little every big city, there's somebody who knows who you are, and knows you're from Wisconsin, and knows you're the band from Wisconsin in that era, and that's of that of that rock and roll of the punk mentality, mm-hmm. and I like when we go to the Netherlands or whatever, or we go somewhere overseas, you know, the first thing somebody says when they're like, you're from Madison, when it's the punk, they go, you, you know, kill those. <laughs> so exactly motherfucker. Yeah. And they go, the last band from Madison that came through here was Killdozer. And I go see him. We're, we're doing it. We're, we're living it, you yeah. know, and that's, you know, and, and Killdozer would have never gotten the opportunity to play this festival. So like, I feel like we can transcend quote unquote in a certain way and even get into the squares homes in our town, you know, like kill those are never got in the squares homes, but the squares know who they are, but this might be that the squares get to see us, you know, like, and they get to be like, damn, that band was out there, you know? And um, I just had the experience because we just played on Wisconsin PBS oh, and cool. um, it just aired on the TV. And there's this guy in town. He's been on the radio station, the, the, community radio station here for over 40 years his name's rock and john and he's probably 80 years old he he's probably been on there closer to 50 years and um he plays you know rockabilly he loves like 50s and 60s music and he's like you know i was turning through the channels and i saw you and uh i told my wife stop stop we have to watch that And, and he watched the whole thing and it's totally not his thing, but like, it's still, he got it. You know, he was like, that's so cool. It's so yeah. cool what you're doing, you know? And, and he's like, I, you know, we had the closed captioning on and you'd play a guitar solo and it'd say exciting punk rock music. And I just <laughs> had a laugh every time I saw that. And it's like, he, he knows what punk is. It's yeah. not his thing. But like our music is kind of grounded in fifties too. So he still got it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and sixties, like, and that's cool because he's like a legendary figure. Like when he's in the record store and he talks, you will not believe how many people will be like, are you rocking John? Because of his voice, his, his voice is so unique. It's just, you know, it's him. Like, mm. and that's, I, he's like, yeah, he's a, he's a legendary kind of character. And uh, his old show used to be right after this punk show. And the guy would play shit with, like crucifix he would play stuff and he would play shit with swear words on it when you weren't supposed to you know it's illegal to and um he would do it right at the end so the worst shit he would do right at the end with the worst name so that rock and john had to call it back and read back well that was the crucifix with and it's this dude that like he's the oldies station and all the people are turning he has the most popular rock and john has the most popular station of or uh, show of all time on this radio station mm. like his is the most popular of all time and here he is 
people tuning in, scrambling to tune in, and he's being like, well, well we just had the crucifix. And it's like, they're <laughs> not awesome. supposed to be saying that, you know, but he would still say it because he's kind of a badass, you know? That's so cool, man. Yeah. The special, yeah. special guy. Yep. But so that's damn, probably Bobby. my story. Yeah, I was going to say, man, um, do you have any last-minute plugs or shout-outs or – uh, well, thank you so much for having me do this. Of course, thank you, Bobby. In Boston. I'm trying to think, where did we end up staying with the Hussy? Oh, oh, I think, I did I put you up in a, uh, a Holiday Inn? That probably sounds unbelievably proper. Yeah, a little bit outside, did. a little bit outside of yeah, the city. I, I think it was awesome, you know, yeah. That's, that's what we do. Um, yeah, I actually sent a picture of your dad's car. Well, I showed my dad how it had so many miles on it. 800,000. But I also couldn't help but notice I've been watching the – I finished The Sopranos now. Do you like The Sopranos? I haven't seen it. Dude, you have to watch it. It's so fucking good. But your dad drives the same fucking truck as Tony. No way. <laughs> it's not the same exact truck, it looks but it's like really it. close. It's yeah, it's like it's 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 the same color, the same the the cap on it, the running boards, the grill, like it's super similar. And I actually sent it to nobody. Like you I did? sent a picture of your dad's truck, and I was like, Papa Giorgio thinks he's Tony Soprano, eh? It's kind of funny you say that. That like I randomly had like a thought in my head one time of like that would be like a weird premise for a show if like. Papa Giorgio was this like mobster, and then but like he also say, yeah he also takes his like son and his friend out to like these punk shows and like he's, like the coolest guy. Exactly, that's literally. I was like, well, why wouldn't a mobster? Be yeah, that? right. Watch, watch now. Like a year from now, we see that show on HBO. <laughs> We're just like, fuck. Dude, we should have thought that. Guys gotta watch it. Like, uh, I I've seen it before. It. Yeah. I started watching it, yeah. and I never wanted to watch it. I always thought, I'll never watch that stupid fucking show. Yeah. And uh, I'm sort of just like, you know what? I want to see it. Started watching it. I loved it. Like, I was maybe a, a season and a half in, and I texted Ross. Or Ross and me were, like, we were somewhere. And um, I told him, you have to start watching this show. And normally he doesn't. Normally he doesn't listen to other people because he loves watching shows, but he likes picking and he yeah. just he fell in love with it and just last night he finished it and like all night we were texting each other because he watched the last four episodes so he spent like four hours watching it last night and um he's just like oh my god he just <laughs> it's so good i'm gonna it's watch really it now good. i am yeah it's probably like top five favorite in the top five favorite tv shows i've ever seen and That's i like i tend to like tv shows more than movies myself mm-hmm. i don't know why i don't know why because i don't have the attention span for a movie usually but lately i've been i don't know when you got all day now like for a while it yeah. wasn't work true yeah all right well, all right bobby you guys have a good one good talking to you good seeing you great yeah. talking to oh you yeah too. man amazing talking to you yeah, you're the Bye, you're the please. mayor of Madison. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you're recording this because someday maybe I'll listen back and when I forget what I did with my life. It's a good mo- it's a good artifact. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank you.
All right. We'll see you soon, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. See you later. Bye.